Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of So Many Wrong Notes. This is part two of our Awesome Person series, and this week I got to interview my friend and incredible tenor, Martin Bakari. We did this interview way back in January, so a lot of the performances that Martin talks about have already happened, but I decided to keep them in because they are pretty incredible performances. If you are curious about what Martin is up to now, you should check out his website at martinbakari.com. Enjoy the interview. So many wrong notes! Hello, everybody. Uh, we recently did an episode called Plays Well with Others, where we talked about uh, the keyboard is playing with other musicians. And, of course, we neglected to talk about working with singers. Shame on you. Um, and it's a shame because I think a lot of young pianists kind of poo-poo working with singers. They're very kind of <coughs> dismissive of it. And I was one of those people. And I've now repented of that. But I thought it'd be a great thing to talk about working with singer with an actual singer. So I've got an actual singer here with me, and his Real name is... and in the flesh, Martin Bakari. Martin Bakari. Martin and I met um, maybe five years ago? Yeah, something, something like that. Something like that. Uh, we both worked at a music camp, a uh, friend's music camp, and Martin is a brilliant tenor. So oh, can you, you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? Well, uh, I'm a tenor. Uh, and I sing opera, I sing art song, I sing a number of different things. I've been in musicals, um, and I also teach voice. Yeah. You do a lot of things, but what's the one engagement that you're looking forward to right now? The one? Well, I mean, choose one that you're oh, looking Oh, man, to. it's hard to say. You yeah. know, I don't want to pick one in particular. I'm, I'm currently um, uh, preparing uh, the title role of Charlie Parker, uh, the jazz saxophonist, for Daniel Schneider's new opera, Charlie Parker's Yardbird, for Madison Opera. Um, and I'm leaving for Madison on the 19th of this month. Um, and yeah, but then after that, I'm, I'm going to be doing um, a, a, a performance at Steinway Hall for um, the official CD release of an album that I recorded of the music of Grigory Smirnov, who is a wonderful... Uh, Russian-American composer um, who just had a CD released uh, by Noxos on which I sing his massive 45-minute song cycle, Dowson Songs, which are the poems of um, the English Romantic poet Ernest Dowson set to music, uh, beautiful music, um, by my wonderful friend uh, Grigory Smirnov. That's great. Um, yeah, and then so then after that I'm doing a uh, I'm doing Porgy and Bess in Israel, which will be wonderful, and then um, and then I'm going to uh, Utah. I'm going to Utah after that to do a new um, a new work called The Long Walk um, by Jeremy Howard Beck. Uh, it's a an Iraq War opera uh, that deals with. Um, uh, a man who came back from war and is, is suffering from PTSD um, and, and how that affects him and his family. Uh, a really beautiful story and, and really moving and, and powerful. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. But then, you know, there are other projects yeah. as well that I'm looking forward to. A premiere with 
with uh, Pittsburgh Opera of, of The Summer King, which is about um, Josh Gibson, who was known as the Black Babe Ruth, um, and also a uh, wonderful double bill of David Lang's work. David Lang is, um, he was actually featured in Opera News maybe a month or so ago as a post-minimalist post master, um, uh, a brilliant composer uh, who is having two works uh, featured uh, for Portland Opera's season, um, The Difficulty of Crossing the Field, um, which is a piece that I, I performed and, and recorded with Beth Morrison Projects for Cantaloupe Music, which is, which is uh, Mr. Lang's label, and then his um, A Little Match Girl Passion, and I'm doing the uh, lead tenors in both of those. Yeah, that's this summer. Yeah. So you're not busy. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a it's a wonderful problem to have, but it's it's also uh, it can be it can be um, it can also be tough because you know this music, as you can hear, there's a lot of new music that that I'm performing, some of which are premieres, and uh, it, it can be it can be a real challenge to um, put together. Uh, repertoire that uh, has either not been recorded at all, so there isn't any sort of frame of reference, um, or just, you know, the nature of some of these new works is, is very complex and can take quite a lot of time to learn. For example, um, there was a single phrase in this Charlie Parker opera that probably took me about an hour to learn, just uh -huh. a single phrase. So, so yeah, it's very time-consuming. I love doing this. Um, I love, I love, having the opportunity to, to, to learn um, new works and, and also, uh, when I'm lucky, sort of create roles as well um, because it gives me the artistic freedom to, to, to really sort of um, decide for myself who this character is um, and, and bring truth to this story uh, in a way that is um, natural for me and makes sense for me and I'm not having to sort of um, uh, abide by the rules and traditions of a hundred or two hundred exactly. years of performance practice. Um, this brings up an interesting tangent. Jeanette and I are obsessed about contemporary music. Great. So we sort of ask each other how we got into it. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you how you got into contemporary music? It's really, that's a great question. I mean, it's one of those things that I was actually um, communicating with um, uh, one of my mentors and, and I was uh, letting her know that um, that I've been doing all this new music and that I, I never imagined, you know, when I was working with her at Boston University, uh, where she was the director of the Opera Institute, um, that these new works that I was doing at BU um, that, that ultimately I would end up sort of having the majority of my income come from doing new works um, but I'm really grateful that that's the case because I actually really enjoy doing new music um, I would say the way that I've sort of gotten into it I mean honestly um, having the opportunity to do a number of new works at Boston University and sort of cutting my teeth in new music that way um, but also um, you know I've always uh, enjoyed uh, complex harmony, complex rhythm, um, and you know the training that I've had uh, as an instrumentalist growing up, and also uh, in the in the programs at Boston University and at Juilliard, 
um, in ear training uh, have really helped me um, with my musicianship a great deal. And I honestly think that a, a major reason why I've been fortunate enough to have uh, so many new music engagements is because of the musicianship that I've developed over the years. Um, this this music is very, very challenging. Um, and, you know, frankly, you know, for example, uh, one engagement, uh, the director of, of, of this opera company reached out to my manager and, and said, we're interested in possibly having him for this role. Uh, it appears on his resume, based on his resume and his body of work, that he's a fine musician. Please let us know if this is not the case, because this role requires this. Mm -hmm. um, there are some roles where you can come in and you can barely read music, and you can get it done, you know, if you have enough coaching and so on. But there are some roles that, you know, <laughs> it would take someone far too much time to try to teach it yeah. to you. You really have to do the work yourself. But also, I'd like to think, and I, and I think there is... I think this is the case. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that I bring something uh, fresh and new. I mean, the, 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 I think there are a lot of people who are uh, terrified by the idea of not having, um, you know, years of opera DVDs to go back and watch. How does this person do this? You know, and years of recordings and saying, how does this person sing this? Um, but I personally love the idea of being able to just look at text and think about what it means to me mm -hmm. and express it in a way that's honest and truthful to me and then in the same way look at the notes on the page and and examine for myself why is it that the composer decided to write this interval uh on this particular text you know and and whether it's right or whether i'm right or wrong kind of you know isn't so much the point but the 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 idea of being able to interpret um musical gestures um and and text is something that is that is one of the most enjoyable things about what i what i do as an artist so i think that there are people who also enjoy what it is the originality that i bring and individuality that i bring to my uh interpretations do you feel that in a weird way it sounds to me that you feel like more of an authentic musician doing new works rather than older works well you know it's i i enjoy doing standard repertoire um very much you know and frankly there are certain things that um you know a lot of new music that's very angular and perhaps is less about the melody um you know if i if if i sing a lot of that stuff sometimes my voice um starts complaining so to speak and uh, you know, while I'm working on these things, I always have to check in with my, you know, bel canto works and my Mozart and my Handel, you know, these things that my voice really likes so that I can keep it in a place that is technically sound and that is healthy and I can keep the line moving in a, in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, but, you know, I must say that I, I really do enjoy being able to perform and, and not having to worry about somebody coming into the theater and saying, oh, I always thought it was this, so I don't like his performance because Pavarotti did it this way, mm -hmm. or Juan Diego Flores does it this way, exactly. or whoever it may be. You know, it's really nice to be able to come in and, and, and present something to someone. I mean, you know, when you're, uh, some of these works that I do are literally premieres. If not premieres, I mean, the thing I'm doing in Utah, for example, is, is the second performance um, by an opera company 
a second full staging by an opera company. So, I mean, I can uh, virtually everyone in that audience will be seeing it for the first time. So there is no possibility of them saying, oh, I, I don't know if that's the way this is supposed to be because the only way that it is is the way that they're experiencing it by me at that particular moment so that's very freeing and 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 also i mean it's there there is there is not as much of a uh there's not as much of a sense of this this guy i i already have you know for example you know i'm a person of color there are some people who as long as they live, they'll never be able to imagine a half black and Filipino Prince Tamino, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they just won't be able to imagine that, you know? And so there are times when, frankly, I realize that when I step out on the stage and I've played, you know, uh, regal characters like this in the past, um, where I I step on the stage and before I even make a sound, people already say, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, on the contrary, when I come out and I'm doing a premiere, not only do they not have the ability to say that's not right, but I am the definitive characterization of that role. And yeah. that's very empowering and that's very uh, exciting. That's great. Yeah. Well, you're in a zombie apocalypse. Okay. <clears throat> what composer would you want on your crew? Do oh, you think man. Will help you survive this zombie apocalypse? <sighs> Man, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I would say... I mean, I, 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 Beethoven's one of my favorite composers. I don't know that he would be, uh, you know, the, the best guy to have around with one of his major senses yeah. missing. Um, I would say, you know, I, I, I remember reading and hearing that Charles Ives was quite a strapping guy. Yeah. Um, I may be wrong... But if that is the case, um, it it would be nice to have a a, a man who is, uh, you know, strong and agile and and cunning, in a uh, in a situation like that uh, to, to to get us out of any sort of uh, uh, trouble we might find ourselves in. That's great, Charles yeah. Ives. Um, as we as I've been talking about how I got into music. I sort of came to the conclusion that it almost wasn't my choice, mm. that it almost chose me. Cool. So I'd like to ask others, especially in regards to, in, in your case, singing. Yeah. Do you feel like you chose singing or did singing choose you? That's a good question. I, I think ultimately I did choose singing, um, quite literally. But at the same time, I don't think I... Um, well, to sort of give you an idea of how I found myself in the world of classical voice, um, when I was about 16 or so, I was taking piano lessons um, with a wonderful uh, pianist and composer in the town where I grew up, Yellow Springs, Ohio, um, and she asked me what it was that I wanted to do, because I was, I think, around 16 or so, and it was about time to, to start thinking about that, what I wanted to, to study in college and so on. And I told her I wanted to, uh, I think I, I, I was interested in possibly uh, studying music. And she said, okay, well, what in music would you like to do? And I was playing clarinet in the band um, at the time, and, and I said, you know, well, I, I really enjoy playing clarinet, so I think I might study clarinet. And she said, well, if you 
you know, if I were you, I would think about studying voice. Um, because she had heard me in some of these school musicals, which I really just sort of did for fun. It wasn't something that I considered doing for a living, uh, singing or, or being on stage uh, as, a, uh, as, as an actor or anything like that. That wasn't really something I had considered. Um, mainly because in my town, it's a very small town, and it's a very uh, wonderful place to grow up, and, and the arts are, are very much appreciated. There's a really wonderful band and orchestra, but there wasn't a choir, and, and I wasn't really seeing people um, go from high school to conservatories to study voice. It wasn't really something that was on my radar as, a, as, as an opportunity, but there were people who did go to college for different instruments and so forth. So I thought that uh, that seemed more realistic, so to speak. And I don't know if realistic is even the word. More so just the idea that that was something that I had considered because I had seen pe my peers do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it really wasn't until that moment when she said, you know, I would consider... Um, if I were you, as in if she were me, um, she would consider going to school and studying voice because she thought I had talent and she had seen me in these school musicals. And, you know, there weren't a whole lot of professional musicians in my town growing up. It's about 3,500 people. And so I took her advice. <clears throat> I took her advice to heart and I um, started taking voice lessons. And really just a few a few months later, I was auditioning for colleges and I found myself at Boston University and I Boston University's program is very um, you know has like an op it's, a, it's sort of an operatic focus um, it's it's more you go there to study classical voice you know there isn't a jazz vocal program or a musical theater program you're there to study classical voice so I wasn't sure if I I wasn't certain that I even wanted to sing at that point but I I, I certainly wasn't sure if I wanted to sing opera, but I was already there and I thought to myself, um, you know, I might as well, you know, look into this and, and, and give this a shot. So I, 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 the more I dug into it and, and, and explored, the more I realized um, how much I loved this art form um, and, and how much it suited me. Um, and, and now I, I can't really imagine myself, my, my life without it. Yeah. What specifically about singing do you love? Man, that's a great question, too. I mean, you know, there's so much to love. I mean, personally, um, I mean, just the idea of being able to tell these extraordinary stories, you know, that you find in opera or in musical theater or even in art song, um, you know, being able to communicate these these stories to other people um, is something that I really enjoy. I mean, it's something people will tell you who, who, who know me well. I'm always somebody who is so eager to share things that I enjoy with other people. Like, you know, if, if, if I've seen a great movie, I'm trying to get everybody I know to go see that movie. Or mm -hmm. if, I, if there's a great song, you know, I'm just, you know... Uh, unannounced, just sending it to my friends. You gotta hear this, you gotta hear this, you know what I mean? Um, because I'm just somebody who wants, you know, if something brings me joy, I, I want to be able to share it with other people that, uh, and, and, and bring them the same joy and being able to do that, um, myself, uh, in the form of, oh, wow, this opera is really, really cool. Come see me and my friends do this for you. Yeah. You know, that's something that's really, really appealing or, you know, the idea of presenting an art song recital, you know, the idea of being able to put all my favorite songs 
on a, you know, on a concert and being able to say, hey, it's like, you know, sending your friend a, a playlist, you know, but I'm singing the playlist. That's something that's, that's really appealing to me as well. But, you know, also just the idea of being able to, uh, the, the experience of being able to, to express myself as a human being to others. I mean, I think that's something that we all long for, you know, we all long for the opportunity to tell people how you feel, you know, and I think there are a lot of people who go through their lives uh, suffering or, or, or at least struggling through life, life because they don't have that, that outlet uh, through which to express themselves. And, and it's something that, that I feel very fortunate to be able to do. Not only do I get the chance to express myself, you know, my, 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 my most personal emotions with people, but people pay to see me do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the more honestly and the, and, and the more deeply I, I do it, the more people enjoy it. You know, I think there are a lot of people who they wouldn't dare um, <laughs> go into work and all of a sudden just start telling people like how enamored they are with their girlfriend or wife because um, they would just seem, I don't know, they'd seem weird, let alone if they were, if they were telling them how incredibly sad they were or if they were telling them, if they started crying, you know, tears of grief, you know. If I do that on stage, people think that I'm brilliant. <laughs> if most people do that in their workplaces, they're, they're, they're seen as a, a liability of yeah. some kind, you know what I mean? And so, so, so that's, that's a wonderful thing, just the humanity of being able to express myself um, and, and, and have that be appreciated. You and know? also just connecting with people that you probably normally wouldn't connect with. That's sure, I mean, in, in, yes, I mean, you're right, just, but what, what do you mean specifically? I mean, specifically, in, in a way, a lot, of, a lot of different people come to your performances, right? It's true. And it's true. In that moment of the performance, you've kind of formed a very intimate, deep human connection with them. Oh yeah, it's that true. That normally you would not, you would not, you know, you wouldn't intimately connect emotionally with someone across from you on the subway. Sure. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, so for you, what makes a good pianist good? Man, what are the qualities that they have. Right. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's there are a number of qualities, you know what I mean, that, that really make uh, a pianist wonderful to collaborate with. I mean, one of them for sure is a sense of, of flexibility, you know. Um, I think uh, the idea of, of, of collaborating with another person, um, especially in the circumstances where we find ourselves collaborating more often, which is, you know, not having the chance to rehearse too much. You know, oftentimes I'll go into a, an audition having never even met the pianist, you know, and, and I greatly appreciate it when they have the ability to, to, to adjust to, I mean, they've never heard my voice, you know, so in, in a moment they have to decide things in terms of, 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 uh, dynamic and tempo, you know, that, that, uh, they won't know until they hear me open my mouth, 
you know? And so sometimes, you know, they may not necessarily even know the piece very well. It's always nice. That's, I mean, that's a factor with a, that's something that makes a good pianist is knowing the music, obviously. But, but sometimes, sometimes you're forced to, 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 you know, sight read something. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to sight read well, and also have the ability to adjust and adapt and be flexible, um, it can make the an experience that seems, I think, probably to somebody who doesn't have much experience with this, impossible. The idea of, oh, I have to collaborate with somebody who's never seen this music, and I've never even met them. How is that even possible? Well, there are pianists that are so talented that they can sight-read very well. They are well-versed in a number of different musical styles and, and, and composers' um, styles, and they also have the ability to just from the speed of your vibrato or or the color of your of your tone um adjust what they're doing in terms of dynamic and in terms of tempo and and create a collaborative um effort that is that is really remarkable how about in terms like in the opposite way yeah have there been times where you've heard a pianist do something that has changed the way you approached a phrase or something oh yeah i mean you know and, and for whatever reason i sort of am probably because this is the situation that i've found myself in most recently is the idea of having to collaborate with somebody who um i haven't had the chance to rehearse with but um but yeah i mean you know when we're fortunate we have we have the chance to work with somebody who we've had the, the opportunity to actually speak to and, and, and discuss the repertoire with and, and also also even rehearse. Um, and in situations like that, it's really, the process of music making is really, really, you know, extraordinary and, 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 and beautiful in that you actually get the freedom and the comfort to be spontaneous and make artistic choices that are not necessarily the safest or the most planned out you know art and, and and music in general I think you know is is most exciting and for me at least most fun when you get the chance to live in the moment live in the moment and be be spontaneous um, and if you're with somebody who you trust and who you understand and who understands you it gives you the freedom to be able to be inspired um, and 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 make choices that in that moment are very, uh, can, can be very, can, can inspire great enjoyment, both from yourself, from, from the pianist and, and, and also for the audience, frankly. It's, but at the same time, I mean, I think it's something that only comes with trust. Yeah. Only comes with, if I, if I'm worried that we're even, that we're going to be able to, you know, stay together i'm i'm not going to take as many risks <clears throat> um but to sort of i guess you know i i i got a little sidetracked in this comment and 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 i think to sort of speak more directly to what you're saying when i am with somebody who i trust at the piano um oftentimes they are able to make choices as well and 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 it's it's really remarkable, actually. You know, I was once told by a, a wonderful coach and collaborator uh, that, and I think he was sort of, 
you know, he was half joking when he said this, but I think there's a lot of truth in this. There are a lot of great collaborators, he was saying, who have the ability to make a singer do what it is that he or she wants to do, the, the, the pianist wants to do, without them even knowing it. Mm. You know, I think there are, are certainly many, many great collaborative pianists who have uh, the ability to know what an individual singer wants to do better than they do themselves, mm. you know, um, whether it's in terms of tempo or, 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 or how to shape a certain phrase or how to, how, how to, to um, color a certain dynamic. You know, I think there are a lot of, a lot of pianists who, who can, can make a singer feel like they did something really wonderful and remarkable in, in a certain moment and not know that it was completely, um, it was done completely intentionally by the pianist, mm. you know, and it's something that is, um, it's something that is, is, is what we as singers love about working with certain pianists is that we, they inspire us to do things that we didn't know we were capable of doing, mm -hmm. you know, and we have, and, and they inspire us to, to, to make choices that we didn't have the courage to make, um, so yeah, I mean there there it's it's this is I'm glad we're we're talking about this. These are things that I I don't I rarely get the chance to articulate, but but I mean a great pianist and uh particularly a great collaborative pianist um <laughs> it's like, you know, I was I've been to a, a couple weddings recently, you know, and and you hear a phrase that, you know, it may sound cliché, but there's a lot of truth to it. This idea that you know, this person brings out the best in me or allows me to see a side of myself that I didn't know was there, you know? Um, and I think that there are a lot of really, really remarkable uh, collaborative pianists who have that ability, bringing out an artistry uh, in a singer that they never really even existed, you know, or they, 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 they always wanted to have. And they were finally able to achieve through the collaborative excellence of a certain pianist. So in terms of building trust, and let's just consider if you have rehearsal time, right? Mm -hmm. How do you go about building that trust in, in a rehearsal? How do, you, um, how do you essentially collaborate within that rehearsal time? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question, too. I mean, I think that something that has to exist is a certain amount of, not even a certain amount, but ideally a great deal of appreciation and respect for each collaborator's artistic contributions. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it, it's, it's very often that you find yourself collaborating with somebody who has significantly more experience or less experience uh, than you, or maybe they're very experienced in a certain type of music, but less experienced in, for example, you know, you might be working with a a pianist who has played a lot of solo repertoire, or maybe has played a lot of instrumental chamber music, but hasn't played much art song, you know, um, or a pianist who has collaborated with, you know, many of the world's greatest 
recitalists, mm-hmm. you know, uh, many of the world's greatest singers. Um, and a student singer is collaborating with this person. Um, but the, the, the times that I've personally had the most positive experiences and, and the ones that I've observed uh, as being particularly productive and, 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 and positive have been the ones where the two artists greatly respect one another um, as musicians and, and, and as individuals, you know? Um, and, and that way, both artists can be free to express themselves and make the, the musical choices that they want to make. I mean, I think if, you know, it, one of the... I've had the chance to work with uh, Margot Garrett, who is, you know, one of the most renowned collaborative pianists really in the history of collaborative piano. Um, and she is she is somebody who I remember saying that she doesn't, if she's doing a recital with someone, she doesn't like to coach the singer on the repertoire for the recital. Um, and that makes a lot of sense to me um, because I can imagine as a singer, if I'm being coached by my pianist and essentially being told or being suggested to do certain things, for one, I feel a certain pressure to do all those things. So I'm essentially performing with somebody who is my teacher and is, is make, is, is, I, it can be very easy to stand up there and just try to make sure I did all the things that they, that they told me to do. Mm. And if, if all I'm doing is trying to do all the things I was told to do, um, it, it's it's hard to a be spontaneous. It's ha- hard to be, you know, an individual in your approach to your artistry, and it's hard to um, feel free to to be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think I think when we go to these coachings, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're being given ideas to help us. You know, we're not necessarily being told given, you know, questions on a on a, an exam that we have to, you know, that we have to answer correctly and then submit, you know what I mean? And, and if it turns into something like that, then I think the, the process of music making becomes much less enjoyable, but also, uh, you know, beyond that, much less, um, I, I, think, I think it can, be, it can become very sort of calculated and, and uh, less artistic, <laughs> you know what I mean? And more <laughs> mathematical, if you will, yeah. you know? Here's a very practical question because mm-hmm. I think pianists tend to, pianists who don't know, tend to get confused. What's the difference between a vocal coach and just a collaborative pianist? Oh well, I mean, you know, there are a lot of collaborative pianists who are really excellent vocal coaches, yes. um, and and it's it's, I mean, it's it's we're just talking about essentially two. I mean. One can be both a collaborative pianist and a vocal coach, yes. or there are many. Um, but I guess the idea is whether or not that this person who is both is being a collaborative pianist in that they are, you know, collaborating with you to create a performance, mm-hmm. or if they are also providing coaching. You know, I think I think it's possible for for, you know, for someone to do both. Yeah. And it to be both a collaborative pianist and coach, um, at, you know, within a, an, an individual project. Um, but I think, I think, 
it's really more a question of whether or not they're coaching you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and I think that um, I think that they're that that's sort of something that uh, has really come a long way just in the last you know half century or so is the number of people who are both extraordinary extraordinary pianists and collaborators, but also have the knowledge um, of style and language and diction um, and interpretation um, that allow them to, to be able to coach singers mm-hmm. um, and, and, and assist them in that way. Um, you know, it goes far beyond the idea of just being able to accompany, you know, um, they're, they're actually being um, collaborators, both in terms of being, um, you know, significant contributors to the artistic product, but also um, oftentimes being able to actually um, sort of be a second set of ears for the singer and, and, and give advice as far as style and language and diction and interpretation are concerned. Okay, I love hearing disaster stories, so I'm just going to ask you. Think back, no names. Okay. To the worst pianist you ever worked with. Please don't say it was me. Ah, not at all. Of course not. <laughs> um, why was that so bad? I, I mean, yeah. we can pretty much invert what you said for what makes a good collaborative well, panel good, but just specifically sure. in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the situations that I've found myself in that have been really frustrating um, have been situations in which the pianist is not willing to listen. Mm. Um, I mean, of course, there are situations where the pianist just doesn't know the music. I mean, that's that's frustrating too, but but... I would I would dare to say even more disappointing than that is when you are working with a pianist who isn't taking clear cues um, for things as as simple and and essential as I would like to sing, sing this more slowly. I mean it's 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 very it's it it. it is often very obvious when yeah. a singer wants to sing something more slowly or wants to sing it more quickly for that matter. Um, but when a, a, a pianist is inflexible enough to, to either not notice um, that these clear cues are being made or just doesn't care. Mm. You know, this is the way we're going to do it. And, you know, I don't care if you, if these, if this tempo is, is slower or faster than you want it to be or I don't care if I'm playing, if I... If I'm playing too loud for you to, to, to achieve this softer dynamic that you're trying to go for in these few phrases, um, this is the way I play it. You know, uh, somebody can have amazing facility at the piano and can know the piece, you know, forwards and backwards. But but if they're not able to, if they're not able to be flexible, if they're not willing to listen. Um, and when I say listen, I don't mean listen to, you know, verbal instruction. I mean listen to the music that I am trying to make or the singer is trying to make um, 
and and collaborate within that, mm-hmm. it can make for a really really frustrating situation. I mean, you know, I found myself in situ in, in in auditions, for example, working with pianists that I I I don't know or haven't had the chance to rehearse with, or maybe they've been playing for six hours straight and they just they they I mean, I get that, you know, and yeah. I mean it 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 it's hard to stay active and 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 aware as a listener and collaborator after doing something like that for so long um but but sometimes you get the sense that okay this person is just trying to get through the day and they 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 aren't necessarily trying to you know we've only got five ten minutes up there to 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 try to um present our artistry as well as we can and ultimately you know get a job that helps us pay our pay our, pay our bills you know what i mean um and continue with this career and and then when the when the person sitting at the piano is just thinking about what they're going to have for lunch yeah. and they're not thinking about you know trying to create a nice artistic pro, pro, uh, project uh it can it can it can make a make for a a difficult situation and yeah i think you bring up a good point like the way pianists are trained because we have so much solo repertoire, we mm-hmm. come to collaboration pretty late. Mm, sure. And I think a habit that I think I certainly developed, speaking for myself, before I started really collaborating with people, is you kind of turn your brain off. Because sure. at a certain point, you're just kind of pushing buttons. Mm. And I think the biggest value of collaborating, especially with singers, is really teaches you and this is another cliche but it really teaches you to be in the moment Mm. um in a way that's different from working with instrumentalists because you know if you rehearse with instrumentalists they go oh we're going to take some time here and they always take time Mm. here right and yeah you do that a little bit with singers but i've found that the most fun experience working with singers is we rehearse something and then they just do something completely different in the sure. performance. And it makes sense. Right, right. And just having the flexibility and just kind of not being annoyed by it, but just going with it. Sure, right. And I think that's probably the biggest value. Because put singers in front of people and they always do something different. Sure. Well, and that's the thing is, is yeah, I mean, obviously, like, there's the factor of, oh, you know, nerves or whatever yeah. it may be. But, but also, you know... At the end of the day, we are, we are expressing text, yeah. you know, and we're expressing emotions, and the nature of emotions, and the nature of storytelling. I mean, is that it's never the same way twice, mm-hmm. you know, um, and 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 particularly with emotions. I mean, you know, uh, you can probably. I mean, it's impossible to count the number of times that you've, you know, felt joyful, but no two times has your joy been exhibited um the exact same way yeah. you know what i mean and and no you've probably said this cer- you know certain phrases you know dozens if not hundreds of times in your life but depending on how you're feeling at that time and depending on who you're speaking to and depending on what time of day it is and you know that it it, it comes out in a different way yeah you know and and it's and and that's just the nature of being a human being who is expressing him or herself honestly and truly in 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 a specific moment uh and it's what makes us interesting and 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 not robots <laughs> i think you know <laughs> well thank you so much martin sure thank this. you man
And thank you for listening. Once again, if you're curious about Martin and want to get to know him better, you should check out his website at martinbakari.com. And you should also check us out at so many wrong notes.com. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>